Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Hey, you know, that's my book. Get my audiobook free. My audiobook is free for you. I'm giving it to you as a gift. It's worth $20. I'm giving it to you as a gift. My audiobook free. Go to effortlessenglishclub.com slash book. Slash means the forward line, right? The forward line. And then after that, B-O-O-K. So effortlessenglishclub.com slash forward slash forward line book. Effortlessenglishclub.com slash book. Just go to that page, enter your email, and you get my audiobook, the whole audiobook, free. Free for you. I'm giving it to you for free. EffortlessEnglishClub.com slash book. Enjoy it. Today is a beautiful late summer day in Japan. Something changed last week here with the weather. I remember last week we got a few of those cool days. Those cool, clear days, which was great. It's back to being hot again. As I knew it would. Still August, so it's still going to be hot. But I can tell there's a change, right? We've changed from middle summer to late summer. And the change is in... It's in the air. The the clarity. Clarity is the noun. We could maybe say clearness gives you the idea. But clarity is the correct word. The clarity of the air. It means the air is very, very, very clear. We often describe this as a crisp and clear day. It just gives that idea that, you know, the, the, the visibility, right? Everything, everything you look at seems like the air is so much more clear. Everything is more sharp, right? The visibility is fantastic. You can see a long, long, long way. There are basically zero clouds in the sky. And the air very, very clear and crisp. And this is the kind of air we get typically in the fall. In the fall. So it's beginning to have a little bit of the feeling of fall. You can feel that fall is coming. The temperature is lower now, too. It's, it's still hot. So it's still hot. I'm in shorts right now. And a shorts and a t-shirt. Or a short sleeve shirt, that is. But the temperatures now, you know, they're, they're just not as high anymore. It's low 90s now instead of high 90s. That's still hot. Remember, anything in Fahrenheit, anything over 90 is still quite hot. It's very, it, you're going to be sweating when it's over 90. So I just checked. It's at 94 today. And that's hot. 
It's for sure it's hot. But you know what? It feels a little less hot because because it's the air is more dry. I think that's the key thing. That's partly why the air seems so clean and so clear. It's one of the reasons the visibility is better is that it, the air is more dry. And this is typical. This is typical in North America and uh, it, in Japan as well, that in the fall, in the autumn, it tends to be more dry, a little bit. You know, you get rainstorms sometimes, but when you have a sunny day, uh, the humidity is lower. Typically in Japan and in more, most of North America, the United States, the summers are very, very humid in a lot of places. Certainly where I am from in Georgia, the southeast, hot and humid summers. East coast, hot and humid summers. Midwest, kind of the middle part of the country, hot and humid summers. Now in America, in the west, in the western part of the country, uh, there are some places where it's kind of dry, dry and hot for the summers. But in the middle and in the east and the south, humid and hot, and that's what Japan's like. Summers are very, very humid. Lots of moisture, right? Water in the air. Even when it's not raining, you can just feel, it feels kind of, the air feels a little bit wet. And that reduces the clearness of the air. So when the air gets drier, it's, it seems like it's also much more clear, right? The visibility becomes more sharp. And the other thing about it, dry air, uh, one of the differences is if the air is really dry, even if it's hot, like it is now, it's 94 degrees, which is hot. But if you get in the shade, if you get into the shade away from the direct sun, it actually feels much cooler. When it's humid, shade does not help, right? Because the, all that... <laughs> all the heat in the air is carried by the water, so it doesn't matter. You hide from the sun, you still feel super hot. But when it's um, much more dry, shade helps quite a bit. So I'm in the shade right now. I feel fine, even though it's 94. I feel pretty good. There's a little breeze. So again, this is the this is that transition time. It's the getting at the end of August. We're getting towards September. We're just the first little touches of fall of autumn. They're coming. Typically in September, it'll still be quite warm, but I expect in the next couple weeks, the temperature will start dropping down more in the 80s Fahrenheit as the highs, which which is still, you know, quite warm. I'll still be in shorts, but the air will be drier. Ah, it's a, it's a nice time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year, honestly. Really great time of year. I love it. The air, it's, it's just something magical. I have a lot of great memories of that time of year. This, uh, for Americans, this is a sign of football season coming. See, this is when football season starts. In fact, right now, for the players and the coaches, they're already practicing now. They have started practice. So for them, football season has started already. They're not playing games yet. The games start... Uh, for college football, Georgia's game, first game is, I think, September 1st or September 2nd, which uh, it's, it's a Saturday. Maybe it's the first. September 1st, I believe, is their first game. But, of course, they've got to practice before that. So they're practicing already. End of, we start getting into the end of August. 
it's just the beginnings of football season and then September right at the beginning of September football season will begin the official season begins the games begin so this always has this feeling of football season starting when I was a kid I used to play football so that was always kind of fun and exciting and then even older when I was in school going to the university uh, there's always this kind of excitement in the air when football season started and of course this is in the United States the school season starts in September the new school season starts in September uh, that was never very fun for me except for college I did have a good I had a good time at college I say lots of bad stuff about college because it's m- much too expensive now it's not really very practical or useful it's a bad uh, investment I would say in many cases however I will say this I did have a very good time at, when I went to school when I was at the University of Georgia, I had a great time socially. It was, it was a huge amount of fun, no doubt about it. It's just, it was a very expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of money to pay just to have fun. Practically, I uh, doing something else m- might have been a better strategy for me. But hey, whatever. It's finished. It's the past. I do have a lot of great memories socially. It was a great time in my life, that time period. I had a lot of fun. A lot of freedom. And so that's why, again, this time of year, I do have a lot of good memories from that time of year, the fall and going back to to Athens, Georgia, my hometown and football season starting and all the students coming into the town because the town would grow. University of Georgia is a very big university. Uh, When I was there, I think they had 30,000, 20 to 30,000 students. And most of those students did not go to school in the summer. So summer, Athens, the town where the university is, in the summers, it was very quiet in Athens. And I I would stay in Athens uh, usually. Not always, but I would try to stay in Athens for the summers. After I graduated, I stayed in Athens. I lived in Athens for many years, even after graduating. That's why I call Athens, Georgia, my hometown. So my memories of summers in Athens, very, very relaxed because most of the students would leave the town. The town would suddenly, you know, lose a lot of its population and especially its young population. So suddenly just felt like the summers, everything very kind of slow and relaxed and not crowded, which was nice. But then in the summer, uh, in the fall, rather, around September, then the opposite would happen. All the students would return to town and there was always this kind of energy in the air because suddenly all these young people coming back into the town and football season starting. So football uh, fans would come into the town for the games. So suddenly the town grew, right? Suddenly there were 20,000 more people (laughs) in the town and it was not a big town. So this sudden excitement and energy in the air. Very nice. Uh, the other reason, I think, is just weather. Right in the summertime when it's super hot and humid, uh, it's easy to get tired, right? Uh, you, most people don't want to run around in the middle of the day when it's uh, 99 degrees and 98% humidity, which is super hot and super humid. Right? So, oh, you're pouring sweat. You get tired fast. But in the fall, as the, when the air suddenly is more dry, 
the the temperatures drop still warm still comfortable but uh but not super super hot uh, just i think just physically naturally you get more energy right it's suddenly it's it's walking around or running or exercising or playing or whatever is is much easier physically so there is that kind of physical energy i think increases as the fall comes so for me because of all these experiences fall is a time of increasing energy and excitement i, I don't know i just always have this natural energy and excitement starts coming uh, into my mind and my body around this time of year that's nice very nice remember we will be talking more about American football I know some of you ask about culture I've chosen American football specifically college football to, as uh, something to talk about something that's unique special about American culture college football the, the, the culture of college football you don't find it anywhere else not like not like in America I mean American football is only played in America and Canada in a, in a big way I know some other countries they might play a little bit some some people but it's not part of their culture American football is part of American culture and somewhat Canadian but it's not as important to Canadians. Canadians are crazy about hockey. So anyway, we're going to talk about college football more. We're going to follow my team, the University of Georgia Bulldogs. First game, September 1st, coming very soon. Go dogs! Yesterday I was reading a very interesting blog... I recommend it to you. I'll give you the uh, the website where you can go. I, I recommend it. It's really very interesting. It's another source of independent uh, information, news, and ideas. This guy's very, very interesting who writes it. The name of the blog and the website is anonymousconservative.com slash blog. So anonymous, right, means no name. So, so he doesn't use his own name. He, he writes anonymously, meaning he writes without using his name. So anonymous, A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, anonymous, conservative, altogether, no spaces, no dashes, nothing, anonymousconservative.com, anonymousconservative.com, slash blog, B-L-O-G, anonymousconservative.com, slash blog. Now, what's interesting, when I saw the name, I thought, okay, this guy is going to be like some kind of typical um, political conservative guy writing about the usual stuff that they write about. But, nope, absolutely wrong. I think he actually chose his name badly <laughs> because uh, the name really does not fit what his topic. His topic is far more interesting. He he well he wrote a book about this topic and now this is what his blog's about too something called R K theory R K theory the letter R and the letter K so he wrote a book about this R K theory and he has a theory his theory his idea is that human beings have you know evolved or developed or whatever to have two kinds of psychology 
so he's talking about not just individuals but really like whole societies big 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 groups that there are two two kinds of uh, survival mindsets maybe we could call them one is called R and one is called K this is his names but uh, I think an, e- an easier way to think about them be- it's the example he uses is that the R mentality he calls rabbit rabbit mentality or rabbit strategy is really even a better word the rabbit survival strategy the rabbit strategy the rabbit social strategy so like that the animal rabbits and then the K's that's the wolf right like the dogs right the wolf that's the wolf strategy so let's talk about instead of R and K which is uh, doesn't really give you any idea of anything let's just talk about rabbit and wolf because that is more easy to imagine so he's talking about that human beings, groups, societies, uh, even individuals in your own mind, you have these two possible big strategies for survival. And that these mindsets you know, have a huge, huge, huge effect on uh, news and world events and culture and society and history. And even on individuals. He believes that uh, as individuals, you know, most of us might even have both of these strategies inside, but but certain events, certain environments trigger or turn on one of these strategies or make one of them stronger or encourage one of them. So you have, and then you also have, according to him, Let's say in any society, you have certain people who are very, very, very R, very rabbit, right? They have very, very, very strong rabbit mentality, rabbit psychology. And then you have others in a society who have very, very, very strong K or wolf, wolf mentality, wolf psychology. And then you got a lot of people in the middle who have some of both. And it depends on, this, depends on what the situation is like, the environment. If in some environments, a lot of people will become much more like rabbits and think like rabbits, a rabbit mentality. And in other environments, people will change, sometimes very suddenly, and be more like wolves. Now, what's interesting is that he looks at world events, uh, and he looks at the events, and he looks at cultures and societies and what's happening in the world now, and he uses this theory to explain things. It's very interesting. Let's discuss the rabbit mentality first. The rabbit mentality is, this is uh, a strategy or a mentality for situations or environments that are very abundant, very easy and abundant. It means it's very, very, very easy to get food and shelter. There's, there's not really much competition. It's really, 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 really easy to survive. Basically, the modern world we live in right now in most places right in most places that are developed in most places where there's not a war happening right now uh, in fact our modern society is probably the most abundant ever it's the most easy time in human history and it has been for the last well I don't know at least 50 years at least since World War II a super abundant time 
where we have a huge amount of food, a few shelter, just so many luxuries, everything. It's a very easy, easy, easy environment. And so in those kind of environments, he says, the rabbit mentality becomes the, the dominant one, the most popular in societies. And in this, uh, in this mentality, then it becomes a mentality of everybody's equal, right? Equality, because there's no need to compete. There's no need to compete and competition is seen as, as negative or bad uh, because, well, there, there's enough for everybody. There's, there's a huge amounts of everything. Everything's easy, easy, easy. The other part about this is that uh, it creates kind of what we might call decadence, right? Where people just want to eat and drink and and, uh, just do anything and everything. Right. There's it's the opposite of discipline there where self-discipline is is seen as almost bad. Right. That that just it can be a time of being very lazy. And what we call decadent, just focus on pleasure, 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 pleasure. And indeed, right, we see this in societies all around the world where people are just addicted to more and more and more more pleasure. You know, physical pleasure, sensual pleasures dominate our societies now. At these times, too, the the R mentality, the rabbit mentality, is also less loyal, less loyal to family. Family becomes much, much, much less important. Ah, you don't need your family. In fact, uh, the opposite can happen where uh, with the rabbits and people with the rabbit mentality and rabbit societies where the family becomes very, very, very weak and uh, people turn against their own families. They're not loyal to their own families. And finally, with the rabbit mentality, they start to hate. They hate. Merit, we would call it merit. Merit means something you earn. It means earned skill, earned rewards, earned ability, right? Where you had to work hard and then you gain a, maybe a better position, better than other people because you worked harder or you worked smarter. Well, the rabbits are very jealous of that. They don't like that. They think, oh, everybody should be equal. Just give it. It's kind of a communist socialist mentality with the rabbits. And this rabbit mentality can work. It can be successful for individuals and groups when when there's plenty for everybody, when it's lots and lots and lots for everybody in easy environments. The other one is the wolf mentality, which he calls K. And this one becomes more popular or is more useful, at least, is more useful in tougher environments right in, in environments where there's maybe a lot of competition and environments where there's conflict especially war but even where there's economic competition and conflict in environments where things are getting tougher instead of easier and the wolf mentality values is very different than the rabbit mentality the wolf mentality uh, values discipline very important discipline and the wolf mentality values loyalty to your group especially your family and then even your tribe and or even your your nation or your country 
so it the wolves right wolves are like pack animals right they they hunt they're pack animals and so it's very important to them to have this strong connection with their group that they trust and discipline's important because again they're hunters they're competitors they're uh, in a difficult environment the K the wolf mentality people value truth and they value merit earning that you earn things that you have to to work hard and earn what you get and the wolves tend to they are very loyal to their group but they're more suspicious of outsiders Right? The rabbits usually just, oh, they just welcome anybody, anybody. Uh, it doesn't matter. They don't care about groups at all. Because they feel like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? But the, uh, the wolves very much value their, their own group. And they're kind of uh, cautious, careful about outsiders. Because the outsiders might be dangerous. Might be a threat to them. Anyway, I can't explain the whole thing. The guy wrote a whole book about it. And he has... A uh, very big blog. He writes articles. He usually writes two articles per day. So I'm not going to try to explain it all. I can't explain it as well as he does. So my recommendation, if you think this sounds interesting, just go go read his blog every day. And it's it's a it's a it's another way, right? It's another piece of information. It's another filter. It's another mindset for viewing world events. And some world events. Uh, make more sense they're more understandable if you view them with his theory in your mind right it becomes like oh yeah maybe he, he, he has some ideas that are pretty good this does kind of explain some things it's interesting so it's anonymousconservative.com slash blog b-l-o-g anonymousconservative.com slash blog and of course as always can he explain everything 100% no of course not nobody can but I just say add it to your list of independent people neonrevolt.com anonymousconservative.com slash blog infowars keep making see you just keep adding you build your list then you have lots of different sources and then you s- you just start to get a, gain a maybe a clearer, deeper understanding of what's happening in the world. You get closer to the truth, which is great. I'd like you to join my VIP program and train English with me. Very important that you train English, that you get that repetition, that you focus on the fundamentals, the important fundamentals of the English language of speaking and listening. That's what my VIP lessons are designed for, to train you in that way. Very important. They're designed with maximum repetition and mastery of the fundamentals in mind. That's the goal. It's very easy to join my VIP program. You just go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. You'll see right there on the front page uh, a link for the VIP membership program. It's time. It's time for you to speak fluently, speak confidently, think in English. 
and speak effortlessly. So when you speak English, it feels effortless. That's what the name effortless English means. It's time for you to do it. Commit and just do it. Put in the time each and every day. Fight that battle. Have that self-discipline. You will achieve all of these things and more. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com Book club show tonight, live on video. I'll be doing it live on Facebook video. The recording will... Of course, go on to the podcast. The recording will also go on to my BitTube channel. B-I-T dot T-U-B-E. Bit dot tube. AJ Hogue. And also YouTube, of course. AJ Hogue there t- also. And BitShoot. Again, AJ Hogue. <laughs> so my videos are I'm decentralizing. I've got my videos on several channels now. YouTube is a bad company. So now I'm on bit.tube. I'm also on BitShoot. I encourage you, uh, support those channels. So if you want to watch the recording of the video, if you want to watch the video, please go to bit.tube and watch my channel there. My channel is AJ Hogue. Or go to bitshoot.com and watch my videos on that channel. Again, AJ Hogue. I encourage you, get away from YouTube. Let's stop supporting YouTube. Let's stop giving them money. They're censoring everybody. Why should we support them? Okay, but anyway, hopefully you can join my live show tonight. We're starting a new book. A new book, a fantastic book. One of my favorite books about education. And it's called Dumbing Us Down. Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. Tonight's book club, I will do an introduction. I'm just going to introduce the book. I'll talk more about John Taylor Gatto, about the book in general, and then next week we'll start chapter one. But I'd like to give you an introduction and give you a chance to get the book and start reading it. Let's talk a little bit about John Taylor Gatto. Great guy. Great guy. John Taylor Gatto was a teacher. I think he taught middle school in the United States. He was a middle school teacher teaching in normal school system. And, you know, kind of like me, actually. I, I, this is why I mean, one of the reasons I like him, because his story is similar. He's teaching in the school system, and he just started to realize something's wrong. Something's wrong. This system is really, really bad. This system is hurting so many children. This is not good for them. This is a terrible, terrible system. He was a great teacher. He got an award for being the teacher of the year for his whole state. Uh, It was New Jersey or New York, one of those two states. I can't remember which one, but those are both big states. So to be number one teacher in the state, that's that's very uh, difficult. But you know what? He loved his students. This is the thing. He really, really, really loved his students. He really wanted to help them. Right. For him, it was not just a job. For him, not just a paycheck. So he couldn't just shut up. He couldn't just keep quiet and follow the rules and do everything he was told to do. No, because he realized this system is horrible. 
and most of these students are suffering. Even the students who got good grades, he realized, were learning things that were hurting them later in life as adults. So he left. He quit. He said, I can't, I can't work in this system anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. <laughs> See, John Taylor Gatto believed and still believes that every student, that every person in general, every person, every human, has something what he calls their own unique genius. Their own unique genius. Which means not that they're all super intelligent. We know that. We know that every human being is not super intelligent. Some are not very intelligent at all. That's not what he means by genius. By genius, he means their like own special strength. Something about them that is, is great. Something about them that is good, potentially good, potentially potentially good and potentially they can contribute to the world that they can give to others contributing making the world good that everyone has something like this a potential a potential gift we might call it a potential talent now for some it might be intelligence but for some, it might be kindness. Maybe they just have a good heart. They have a special kindness. Or maybe they, uh, they can understand others. For some, it might be a great ability to communicate. For some, it might be an, a great ability to work with their hands and design things. For some, it might be a computer, working with computers. For some, it might be a math knowledge. For some, it might be creativity. Uh, for some, it might be being an incredible mom or an incredible dad. For some, it might be a religious pur- purpose or a moral purpose or, or right, uh, whatever it is. It's interesting because uh, that's very, very similar to what Thoreau, Thoreau had the same idea. Thoreau is a American writer, wrote back in the 1800s, uh, before the American Civil War, and he wrote about this exact same idea. He had this exact same belief. problem John Taylor Gatto saw was that the schools don't have this idea. The school's idea is that every person, every child is just a, like a product. They're just a product and you just put them through the school factory and they all get exactly the same education. Just make them like, like, like a factory. They're all the same and we're just going to condition them and teach them so they will be easy to control as adults that's what he realized was going on with the schools the school systems were just it was just mostly a system uh, of course you know teach some basic skills but those are easy to teach but the bigger purpose of the school systems make people easy to control make them feel weaker make them feel less confident and hide that genius and really destroy that genius Don Telegato left the school system. He started to study the history of the school systems. Where did the system come from? Right? Most people now, they don't think about that. 
This is, this is a problem. This is why history is so important. This is why you have to learn about the past. Because people were born, and we think, it's really easy to think that what we have now, the way things are now, the way people think now, has always been true. That it's just somehow natural. It's not. It's not. Like the school system we have is really not that old. This, this factory mentality of education, this school system of education, is actually quite new for human history. It started with the Industrial Revolution, with, you know, factories and all of that. And the mindset was, it came from the mindset that, well, we'll, we'll make education be like a factory also. Right? We're make, we use factories to make cars. We use factories to make everything else. Right? Where, you have, where everything's the same. The process is exactly the same for everything. So why don't we just uh, make a factory for education? And each kid that comes in is just like a number. They're just a product. And they all have to go through the same uh, courses, the same programs. They... We group them by age, by the same age, and put them in little classes together. And then they all have to do the same exact thing. And then we use grades, just like in a factory, they might grade the products. Oh, this one, they inspect the products. This one's good, and this one's so-so, and this one's not good. And that's what they do with the kids, too. Everyone just accepts this now. Not everyone, but most people and most parents, unbelievably, just accept this like it's just normal oh it's just normal they don't even question it they don't even think about it like like there could be some other way and even if you talk to them about homeschooling or some other way they act like that it's just some crazy idea yet if you look at human history it's this factory system that is the crazy idea John Taylor Gatto wrote uh, a fantastic book about the history of education, modern education, the factory system of education. He wrote a great book about it. That's another book. We're not we're not doing that book. And then he just decided to dedicate his life to, uh, first of all, number one, showing the evils of the school systems and why they're bad and why it's a terrible system and why you should not. Uh, put your children into that system. And then the second thing he wrote, uh, he writes about and wrote about are the alternatives, better ways. He's a big, 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 big supporter of homeschooling. Huge supporter of homeschooling. And other programs as well. Apprenticeships. There's lots of different ways. Independent education in general, I would say. Independent education, family education. Homeschooling, I really don't like the word. Unfortunately, that's the, wor- that's the popular vocabulary word. When people talk about uh, you know, teaching their own children at home, they always use this word to describe it. Homeschooling. Homeschooling. But I don't like it because it has the word school in it. The problem with the uh, word homeschooling, it, I think, is that it gives the idea that you're just trying to do the same system as school, but you're just trying to repeat it at home. So you're following the same basic system, but you're just doing it at home. And that's not what it is at all. It's, it, I don't know. I like, there's another word some people say, unschooling, which gives the idea of the opposite of schooling. That's a better word, unschooling. 
unschooling. But I think even better way to say it would be something like uh, independent education, home education, family education, something like that. I think would be a great way to uh, describe it, a better way to describe it, more accurate. But anyway, homeschooling's the most popular word everybody uses, so I guess that's what we'll just call it. But just to understand, when, when we say homeschooling, and when you hear people talk about homeschooling, that they're not talking about just doing school classes in your home. Right? You're not, you're not doing that. Maybe that's why some parents uh, feel like, oh, it'd be too difficult to do that. Because they're imagining trying to repeat the school day doing it all the same as school but just trying to do it at home and they feel like they have to become a teacher like a school teacher in a school that's not what it's like at all it's it's in fact that's that would that would be a stupid way to do it i think because what's the point then you're just doing the same bad system you're just doing it at home it's a little bit better because at least you have a, a good connection with your children you love your own children teachers don't love your children but you do so in that way it is better but it's not much better I think home education homeschooling if we call it that is is really about using completely different methods of learning and education independent learning right what I've talked about this week natural education where you are leading your child especially in the few areas that are the few important skills you know they need like reading math it's a basic understanding of uh, science and a, and a few other things but mostly what you're doing is also following each child's natural curiosity and letting your child's natural curiosity lead you from topic to topic to topic to topic. So the child's curiosity is driving that. And then what you do as the leader and the coach is that you then use those topics, the topics your child loves, you use those topics and you bring in some of the stuff you also want to teach. Reading, it's so easy. Once your child can read, I mean, it's just easy. Then what any topic they like, you get books about that topic and they read them. Super easy. And then you can find fiction to stories they like, whatever. And then math. Some math maybe seems a little more challenging, trying to bring math, connect math to the topics that they like. But if you just use a little creativity, it's not that hard to do. And see, this is completely different than the way school is done. It's not, the f it's not a factory method at all. Instead, each child is getting a very unique education because each child is uh, participating in their education, right? It's a, it's a team approach. You're, yes, you're the coach, of course, because you're the parent, but, but they're not just sitting in a class passively with no choice at all. Very, very 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 different from that quite the opposite of that no they they are very enthusiastically participating and uh, determining and deciding what they're going to learn based on their interests and their curiosity so you're working together with your child it's, it's cooperative right it's not just you telling them you must learn this and this and this and this and this now study which is what the schools do 
So it's it's far more effective. It's also a lot more enjoyable for you as the parent, the parent-teacher, coach. It's also much more enjoyable for the child. And then the child feels like, oh, their needs, their interest, their unique personality is taken care of, right? You're... Uh, understanding them and of course you're their parents so you already have a much better understanding of them <laughs> it's so much better whereas if you know if you send them to a school none of that they get none of that teacher doesn't care teacher's going to do exactly the same lessons for every single child and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if your child is interested in it or not it doesn't matter if your child needs to go more slowly because they're having a little trouble with the topic. It doesn't matter if your child needs to go more quickly because they're bored with the topic. It doesn't matter because the teacher's just going to do the same thing for everybody. I mean, what if your child gets super excited? Let's just, I'll use the uh, example I like to use about uh, my nephew. What if your child gets super excited about bugs, right? They're super, super, super excited about bugs. You know, just one week. Who knows why? Sees a bug. Gets super excited about bugs. Beetles. Oh, beetles. They're so cool. And now they're super excited about beetles. Well, as a homeschooling parent, you immediately use that, right? You immediately see the opportunity. Ah, great. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's start focusing on beetles with this child. Oh, immediately. Let's go to the library. Get a bunch of books on beetles. Maybe you can pull up some videos about, you know, educational type videos about beetles. Maybe you could think of some little science projects for studying beetles, counting beetles, whatever. But you're going to use that immediately. And you're going to let your child just uh, focus on beetles for a few weeks or however long they want to. You're not going to force them. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're not doing that. No. Not at all. You can't... Beetles, no, no, no. In the textbook, in this unit, we're not studying beetles. We're, we're studying American history this week. Right? Can you imagine how horrible that is for a kid? That they are super crazy about beetles suddenly. Maybe they see a beetle, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're so excited about it, so interested in it, so curious. This is natural. They want to just focus on that for a while. And just that, maybe... And instead, they go to school, and, oh, I want to read about beetles. And the teacher, no, 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 no. Now, open your clip pack, your book to page 27. We're going to talk about uh, the American Revolutionary War. And your kid doesn't care about that right now. Doesn't, is absolutely zero interest in that right now. Wants to read about beetles. Doesn't matter. Every kid will learn about the Revolutionary War at exactly the same time when it is scheduled by the teacher or the school. And so what's happening? Their natural curiosity, the natural love of learning, the natural desire to learn and investigate is being killed. Because they're being told that what they're interested in is not important. Say it's not important. No, the American Revolutionary War must be learned today. It's not important what you like. It's not important what you're interested in. It doesn't matter if you're excited about Beatles. It doesn't matter. No, we must all learn about the Revolutionary War. Think how crazy that is. Why? Why? At that specific time, must they learn about the Revolutionary War? 
I mean, if they're seven years old, they've got their whole life to learn about the Revolutionary War if they want to. If you feel, if, if, if your kid is American and you feel you want them to know that history, you have plenty of time to get them excited about that or interested in that at some point. But don't do it in such an unnatural way through force. Right? Let, just go with the Beatle thing for a while. I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, it's insects, that's science, it's, it's the scientific process, it's biology, natural history. There's so much you can pull in and connect to this topic of beetles. Incredibly great topics. In fact, some fairly advanced topics. That's the other thing when you follow your child's natural education instead of stopping it when you follow their natural interests like this you will be amazed you will be amazed because because they have that strong motivation because they're so curious they will learn so much faster and they will develop advanced abilities they will they will start doing things that are very advanced with that topic their reading skill for example if, if you stop forcing them to read stupid things they don't want to read and you instead focus on reading stuff they're super interested in you're going to see their reading ability improve so 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 fast they will develop a very very advanced reading level much more than the kids in the school being forced to read all these stupid topics they don't care about So much better. So much better. And then let's say you have two kids and the other kid is, is interested in, maybe the other kid likes, uh, really interested in, you know, uh, the Revolutionary War and the, the British and the Americans and the battles and the fighting and that, oh, that seems so cool and interesting. Well, fine, then you let your other child do that. Then you'll focus on uh, that early American history and the Revolutionary War and all the people and the battles and all that. And you let that child follow that interest, right? You have two children. They can each be following different interests at the same time doesn't matter right because again you're you're not following a factory approach they don't have to do exactly the same thing at the same time because the same thing's going to happen you go to the library you get to find all the books you can about the american revolutionary war all different levels doesn't matter even some that are uh, you know a little bit advanced for your child you get picture books you find again educational videos everything you can find on that topic and again you let your child read 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 their reading ability is also going to improve so much faster so one child's going crazy with beetles and the other child's going crazy with the revolutionary war and you just go with that and again you're just guiding and encouraging you're the coach so you do realize okay i gotta make sure they read that one's so easy so so easy reading is the way they get more knowledge they, they will naturally want to do it and then you got you bring in math right you just got to start bringing in math with the revolutionary war how would you do math well again in wars right people there's a certain number of people get killed <laughs> right you can read the battles how many people got killed on this side how many got killed on this side and you can start studying all the you know different uh, statistics and numbers connected to the revolutionary war you can find ways to bring numbers into it and if you feel like you really got to give a lesson about some math topic, that's fine. You can do that. Just keep it, you know, fairly short. Make sure they get 
the knowledge you feel like they need to get, but it does not need to be the focus. The focus, the main energy, the main motivation comes from the child. This is why it's so powerful. This is why homeschoolers learn so much faster, why they're much more advanced. When you start getting up into uh, ages like, you know, 12, 13, 14, most homeschoolers are two years, two years ahead of children in schools. They're two years ahead in reading ability and math ability in those, you know, tests that they always do. I don't really care about that. It's not a race, but the, but the point is, though, they, they, they learn those skills much faster. They're much, much better than the kids in the schools. The more important point, however, much more important, is that they're so much more motivated about learning, that they are trained to think of learning as something that's active, that, that, right, that they choose, that they are the master of their own learning, especially as they get older, right? You're, you're with the young kids, of course, as a coach, you're, you're much more <laughs> making decisions, following their interests but as they get older and older and older and get into the teenage years they really become very independent and then you're more like an advisor and they're making almost all of the decisions themselves at that point but what's great is these homeschool kids these independent learners at home they get a habit a mentality, a philosophy, a mindset of learning and education is lifelong forever. Learning and education is something that is active. Learning and education is something that I choose, that I do, that I'm the boss of it, that I go out and actively find what I want to learn and learn what I need to learn or what I want to do. That's why they're so powerful that's why they often become very successful entrepreneurs or just very successful in any career they choose because that mindset is powerful even more powerful than reading ability or math ability that mindset is super powerful and sadly we knew we all know the opposite effect with so 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 many people who get out of school and they're so passive and they're waiting to be told what to do and uh, maybe they go into a job and then they just wait for the boss to tell them what to do all the time and they they just uh, they have problems in their life and they're just they just never really uh, actively solve them they have goals in life but they don't do what they need to do to achieve them they don't create the kind of life they want because this sickness, this school mentality sickness has gotten deep into their minds. So this is why I love it so much. Homeschooling, I hate using the word schooling though, so home education, unschooling, home learning, whatever you want to call it, just do it. All right. Join me later tonight and and join me each uh, Saturday night. That's Japan time. Night time in Japan on Saturday. For our next book, our book club, our live book club shows. You can join live. Ask me comments. 
ask me questions rather and leave comments John Taylor Gatto dumbing us down John Taylor Gatto dumbing us down alright I'll talk to you again soon have a great day and join my VIP program join my VIP program at effortlessenglishclub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com